Welcome to the Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, your source for all things Catholic in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. A reading from the book of Revelation. After this, I looked, and behold, in heaven an open door. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there appeared like jasper and carnelian, and round the throne was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. And round the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all round and within. And day and night they never cease to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne singing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Every human action is ordered to a particular end. Every action, every action we do is ordered to something. And that one thing that all our actions are ordered to is human happiness. We want it. We seek it out. All our actions are ordered to it. We want all of our loved ones to enjoy happiness. The difficulty is we so often are confused of what constitutes authentic, real human happiness. And this is why I think it's important that we turn to Holy Scripture, specifically the book of Revelation. Here, John provides us with an image of what eternal, perfect, and complete human happiness looks like. John explains that he is caught up into heaven and he's surrounded with the hosts of angels, saints, and martyrs, and all of them together are worshiping the glorious throne of God. And notice the language. John is seeing God. John is beholding God. And this seeing, this beholding, constitutes the essence of human happiness, of human flourishing. This is where all of humanity is ordered to, this intimate knowing and loving of the triune God. This is our end, and this is our telos. The question we have to ask ourselves, if this is our end, is it possible for us to enjoy human happiness on this side of the veil? Are we able to obtain some degree of that beautiful contemplative knowing and loving of God here? And the answer is yes. 
But unfortunately, it's very difficult. The life of contemplation is a difficult life, but we all seek it. And it's difficult for many reasons. But traditionally, the church has upheld that it's difficult for three principal reasons. This is because there are forces at work which are trying to thwart our lives of contemplation, are trying to prevent us from being truly happy. And these three forces are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world proposes all kinds of philosophies that are antithetical to the contemplative life, the chief of which is that it's impossible for man to know truth and to contemplate in and of itself. Rather, we should busy ourselves with doing practical things. The flesh, of course, we all know what the flesh does. It distracts us from a life of contemplation. We are constantly concerned with, the, with satisfying the disordered passions of our appetites and our emotions, thereby preventing us from actually turning to and contemplating God. And of course, the devil, who is this malicious, very powerful creature who is pursuing and, and desiring that we never obtain human happiness and human flourishing. So this is why the contemplative life is so difficult here on this side of heaven. However, it's not, not impossible. We can begin to enjoy beatitude by knowing God in a natural way, and then more perfectly knowing God in a supernatural way. We have nature, which we can begin to know that God exists, and we have divine revelation by which we can know the very essence, at least enigmatically, through dimly, through, through, a, through a veiled lens, we begin to know God, which is a foretaste of eternal beatitude. So now, let us pause and turn to a conversation with Sister Marie Therese, in which we will begin to unpack how we can begin to have a foretaste of eternal beatitude here and now. We've been discussing and exploring, really, God, what we can know about God, mm -hmm. and how we can begin to live a life that is ordered to knowing God better, loving God more perfectly, and ultimately serving God in this life. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps, sister, you can begin maybe just explaining your own voc vocation, yeah. um, your own life of prayer, and uh, your life of study, and investigating who God is and why we should enter into relationship with Him. Oh, thank you. I'd, I'd be happy to share that. I. Um, uh, as, as here in the monastery, as Benedictines, our, our main purpose is to seek God. Uh, and of course, that's, that's our basic call as Christians through our, our life and baptism. Uh, in the monastery, we do that in a particular way, according to the rule of St. Benedict. And so everything that we do is for the purpose of seeking God. And we don't do that just individually, but in community. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it, it, in, in one sense, it's, it's kind of an extension of the church as a whole. Uh, but lived particularly here. Um, and I, I was very much attracted to Benedictine life because of the community life. And um, here with others who want to grow in their relationship with God and make, uh, uh, make God the center of my life. And then do that with others in the journey of the spiritual life. Uh, and, and, and one, a uh, particular aspect for us is how the liturgy p plays a part in that. That was really 
my first experience of the community here was praying the divine office, which I had, I, I had not done that before when I came. I was in my early twenties and, um, I thought, what a grace, what a, a gift to be able to do that every day. Uh, and that shapes my life. So, um, that's really how God drew me in here. Uh, and, um, uh, here in a Benedictine community, we, one of our vows, uh, our profession, uh, monastic profession is stability. So we stay here and we do that with the same people and others who come for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Uh, and that, um, I guess I saw that as a way I could live out my baptismal uh, promises uh, and and witness to God's goodness in my life. Yeah, I was really struck how you emphasize the communal aspect yeah. of knowing God. It's yeah. so uniquely Catholic. Yes. Right. Even we were, we kind of read John's gospel, or the Book of Revelation, um, and John's vision of heaven mm -hmm. and it's not just him gazing upon the godhead right but he's in the presence of all the angels and all the heavenly hosts and the martyrs and the saints are all present with them and they're all praising and they're all adoring and they're all entering into this relationship with the triune god yes and uh, i think this is utterly beautiful and almost entirely uniquely catholic yes i'm just wondering yeah. if you can maybe build upon that and how, as a community of believers, um, that communal pursuit of knowing God is kind of built and, and perfected. Yeah. Uh, again, especially through the liturgy, that passage in uh, in Revelation is is like a glimpse into the heavenly liturgy, which we're, we're all drawn into that. And uh, I I I say to the sisters once once in a while. You know, it, it's good for us to be totally attentive to the words that we pray at at divine office because it's just like one big choir practice getting us ready for eternal life. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that canticle that's in there, we actually sing that uh, basically once a month in our divine office. So, uh, so we're really connecting into a reality there that we're just not totally aware of. Uh, and then we're drawn into, I think, um, that, that eternal life that is ours through our baptism. And uh, of course, as Catholics, uh, the sacraments nourish us in that and prepare us for that, that, that life eternal. So um, if you really dwell on that and think about that, that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing is that that's what's awaiting us. We don't know what it's looked like or what it's going to feel like. We kind of see it in an, almost a one or two dimensional aspect. We, but really drawn into that. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's wonderful that, you know, we have these religious communities that are able to dedicate themselves oh. to this, you know, growing in your understanding of God and worshiping him perfectly or as perfectly oh. as, as one can and uh, as a consequence, loving him more. Yeah. Now, Sister, it's interesting, you know, you're in the heart of downtown Tulsa. Yes. The monastery, but outside is just beautiful ground. Yes. Absolutely gorgeous. I haven't had a chance to look all around campus, but it's absolutely beautiful yeah. as you drive in. What role does nature have 
mm-hmm. in kind of increasing our understanding of who God is? Or is there a role at all for kind of that first book of Revelation, nature? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, and we, it's interesting you're bringing that up. We're just talking about that right now uh, in, in the community. And um, place matters to us as Benedictines. Um, and I think e- e- just e- as Catholics too, uh, um, how the place is shaped by, by, how we are shaped by the place that we find ourselves in. And um, to always, I think, approach nature uh, knowing that um, this is God's creation and um, we too have been created by God, uh, you know, especially in God's image and likeness. Mm-hmm. And um, we join in with creation in that praise of God. So I, I really believe that nature can be a um, revelatory text of sorts of, of God, of who God is and God's grandeur splendor, simplicity, mm-hmm. uh, beauty, truth, um, all leads us to, um, I think, into that uh, God's kingdom and um, uh, that we are a part of. We're not greater than. We have certain gifts that God has given us, but we're not superior to, in a sense, of, of power over but we are part of that creation and we have a special role to play in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for us too, just even in our daily life, uh, it's important for me and my own spirituality that I get outside every day. <laughs> and that uh, because nature can bring me to gratitude and that sense of thanksgiving um, and that I'm surrounded by that every day, mm-hmm. you know, and that really can shape how I view everything. Yeah, I, I, I don't know of one agnostic or atheist who is a stargazer. But as soon as you begin to gaze upon the heavens, <laughs> yeah, it puts the end of the question, if, if there is a God, yeah. right? I mean, you, you're almost convinced, yes, there has to be a God who is able to construct such marvelous, mm-hmm. harmonious order of things. Mm-hmm. And then once seeing that, you begin to realize, okay, if there is a God, mm-hmm. I think the next question you have to ask is, well, how does God exist? Like, what is his manner of existence? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very similar to a relationship that you may have with a beloved, right? You right. see your beloved, you notice them from afar, and the next thing you know, once you know that they exist, is you want to, I want to get to know mm-hmm. them. I want to know their inner thoughts, their inner feelings. Um, but the difficulty is they need to first reveal themselves to you. Right. And so once you become in contact and be aware that God exists through nature, I'm just wondering how then do we begin to know the inner life of God? Mm-hmm. I think certainly um, that that aspect of prayer, that that contemplative prayer, um, I think, uh, and, and you can expound on this too, uh, uh, in a relationship, you have to spend time with the beloved, the one that you want to get to know. And you have, in, in, that, in spending that time, it's important to listen. 
uh, and and even being within nature, how do we listen to nature? It's not just about the 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 literal sounds that we hear, mm-hmm. but about the gentleness or um, about the goodness that we see, about the beauty mm-hmm. that we see, and what is that saying to us? And um, that that we uh, again appreciate appreciate that and recognize that um, that beauty is calling us to something deeper. It's really calling us to who we are mm. and who we're created to be. Uh, and I think that contemplative life can really open us up into uh, a place of being uh, before God and being held in that eternal love. Um, and then it gets us out of that mode of, I have to do something to please God. I have to do something to earn God's love. I have to do, I have to do. No, it's about our, it's about our being and who we are. I, I, it takes a lot of pressure off of us. I think. Does, yeah. You know, I don't have to perform and be in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be a, a channel of bringing us back to who we really are. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up the conversation, sister, um, what advice would you give to the average lay person out there? Like you've been dedicating your life to this kind of contemplative way of, of or, mm-hmm. or way of life, this mode of being, um, entering into this relationship with God in a very mm-hmm. profound and meaningful way that obviously has tremendous effect and fruit throughout the entire mm-hmm. diocese. But for the average layperson who wants to grow in their understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. who wants to grow in the relationship with this triune God who creates us and sustains us and who has redeemed us, what advice would you give him or her? Mm-hmm. How do we begin to live a contemplative life? Yeah. Um, spend time with Scripture every day. And... Um, uh, uh, certainly study is important and also just prayer with that, with, with scripture. I mean, that's so much a part of our life. Lexio Divina, anyone is called to that. Um, and also I think to just, just realize that all of us are called to be cl- contemplatives. You don't have to live in a monastery or dispossess yourself of all your worldly possessions Thank or goodness. anything. <laughs> right. Uh, and, um, and open oneself to the gift that God w- wants you to receive uh, in your life. You know, as I think parents have a particular vocation to contemplation uh, even in the midst of the busyness and the demands and the many sacrifices that they make, think about how you look at your children or how, how you contemplate this other human being whose life that you've been entrusted with. Um, find the things in your daily life that will lead you there because that, that's the steps. That's, that's the first step to take is what in my daily life is leading me closer to God. Be aware of that and connect into that and, and allow that grace to just to rise in that, in, in your daily life. It's there. Wonderful. 
Well, thank you so very much, sister. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's great to have a conversation with you. It is. Thank you. Great.